So check this out. Bright Hire just launched this amazing AI sidekick called Bright Hire Plan. It's like having your very own AI assistant that can build full interview plans in just minutes. Imagine going from a job title to a thoughtfully crafted, inclusive job description and a full structured interview plan in minutes. No, not hours anymore. It's a game changer for recruiters and hiring managers. I know I'm usually the one to hate on new tech, but honestly, this sounds incredible. This is AI used right for better quality and more efficiency. It's like the holy grail of recruiting. Dozens of companies from high growth startups to multi-billion dollar enterprises are already using Bright Hire Plan to save tons of money, time, and raise the quality of their hiring. And here's the best part. You can give Bright Hire Plan a spin for free. That's right, for free for 30 days. Just head over to brighthire.com to get started. That's brighthire.com to get started. Cheeseman out. Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese podcast is taking it to a whole other level. All right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? It's Krampus's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Max to my Grinch, Chad Sowash, is in the house. And we are excited to welcome Zach Roseman. Founder and CEO at a startup called Draft Board. Zach, welcome to Fire. Thanks. Squad. Thanks for having me here. Excited to be here. No problem. No problem. Now, a lot of our listeners don't know who you are. We'll get to the we'll get to the business stuff after. We want to know about you. What makes Zach tick? Tell us your story. Business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be fun. Uh, yeah, my name's Zach. Um, I live. I grew up in New York. Lived there for most of my life. I actually just moved to Tel Aviv, Israel, a few months ago. So it's been a exciting, wild time. Hello. The last couple of months. Uh, talk about moving to a new new city, and it's like, hey, war. Uh, so uh, that's Oof. that's definitely been a slap in the face, but uh, also pretty crazy to see in a lot of ways, um, yes. positive and negative. So yeah, that's been a lot of my life the last eight weeks. Um, but I've got a, a beautiful wife and a lovely daughter with another one on the way. And, uh, yeah, I, I love what I do. I wake up every morning excited. Um, I, uh, I like working out. Um, I like going on hikes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's, I'm a pretty simple guy. So I, there I, it is. We, don't, we generally don't ask questions on this segment, but I, 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 <laughs> I want to know, as an Israeli, yeah. what is life like? I mean, us in America, you know, we see what's going on in Gaza. Like, is it normal? Is it business as usual? Are people scared? Talk about what, what it's like in Tel Aviv right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I won't, uh, you, I'll let you guide me, but I won't go too long. But like, there have been phases, right? In the first yeah. few days after the terror attack on October 7th, like, I live in Tel Aviv, which is like 40 miles away from the Gaza Strip. And like, we were wondering if there were terrorists that were going to be coming out with AK 47s in our neighborhood, right? right. Then that, that Fuck. ceased to be a concern. And then, you know, the last seven weeks since that point, since, you know, a few days afterwards, it's been more about, okay, this to the, the country sort of starting to deal with the aftermath of that. And so, you know, you've got 300,000 people in a country of 10 million called up to reserves, uh, army reserve duty. So in the tech space, you know, 20 to 30% of pretty much every company has yep. lost people to the front lines. 
And then from a living perspective, it's weird. It's kind of Twilight zone like Black mirror Like, you know, the, the shops and restaurants are sort of open again during the day. Everything's closed at night. There's no nightlife, nightlife to speak of, really. Most of that's because they can't find waiters and waitresses because everyone's on the front lines. Yeah. But also... You can go to coffee, wow. grab it with a friend, and then you stand up and there's like a teddy bear sitting on a public public bench that's, you know, with simulated blood and the picture of a, of a nine-year-old that's been captured and, and taken hostage. Uh, and so, like, there's Ooh. everyday reminders of what's going on. Yeah. Wow. Sorry to take it dark, but, like, that's just – that's that's where yeah, we are right no. now. Well, that's what – I mean, war is not light, my friend. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah, sorry. Sorry to hear that. You and your family and other families are having to go through that. That is, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. Um, but, you know, uh, you've also seen some amazing things like the really, the country is like more united than ever. Um, yeah. People helping each other in ways are just wild. And the projects that have been grassroots initiatives that have got off the ground in the last two months, some of them are not public yet and some of them are. It's just, you know, mind blowing to see what people have done and the way they're volunteering their time. Well, Zach, the Israelis are incredibly resilient. Hopefully you will be resilient today because today on Firing Squad, this is how it's going to go. At that sound of the bell, you're going to have two minutes to pitch draft board. At the end of two minutes, we're going to hit you with about 20 minutes of Q&A. Uh, to be be sure to be concise, or you're going to get those uh, those crickets at the end of yeah. Q and A. You're going to receive either a big applause, congratulations, Zach. Twenty four just started out with a bang in a good way. Easy. Golf clap, easy with the puns. <laughs> You've got some noise happening there, but you're going to need more of an arsenal to move this market. And last but not least. The firing squad, such bad uh, things right now. Jesus. Metaphor. This, it's a metaphor. This is, uh, this, is, metaphor. this is worse than Andy Cohen and Kathy Griffin on the uh, New Year's uh, Eve party. Start us uh, on just, a downer. Zach. Just Jeez. preemptively apologize and go on with something we're, else we're in, in a, your we're life. We're in a safe friend. space, though, right? We're in a safe <laughs> yeah. space. Like everything happening outside the walls of this of This, this podcast is a trust is tree. For now. Trust tree, yes. Exactly. Take it away. Take it away, Cheeseman. All right, Zach, give us your pitch in. Three, two. So I founded a company called DraftBoard, and the basic concept is very simple. Um, most companies offer their employees a referral bonus if they refer a new hire. It could be $1,000, $3,000, $5,000, all the way up to ten dollars or $20,000 I've seen. And our pitch to companies is very simple, and it seems to be an effective pitch. Why are you limiting that referral bonus to only your own employees? The point of a referral bonus is to incentivize people, your employees, to refer better people so that you can hire better people faster, hire them two, four, six, eight weeks faster. So why limit it to just your employees? There's a whole wide world out there with a huge network that's much bigger than your three-person startup or 10-person startup or 200-person startup. And so that's what we do. We're a marketplace. On one side of the marketplace, companies sign up. It takes literally 90 seconds. We integrate with applicant tracking systems like Greenhouse, Lever, Workable, and a few others. Um, three clicks and you're in. You decide what bonus you want for the jobs to be listed on DraftBoard. You can list a bonus for some jobs, all jobs, one job. You can have different bonuses for each job. Totally up to you as the company. You can list bonuses and then take them down. You can keep them up for a long time, whatever you want. You can change them from second to second. So that's one side of the marketplace. The jobs are listed. And then the other side of the marketplace is what we call scouts. A scout is anyone in the world. It's you, me, it's your parents, your siblings, your partner, your friend, your spouses. Any, everyone in the world has a network. Um, that network was built from who you went to kindergarten with, who you went to college with, who you play basketball with or on the weekends. Um, and that network is valuable to the right company at the right time for the right job. But right now, those companies have no idea that 
that candidates that they want to reach even exist, let alone how to reach them. And so the second side of the network is scouts. And scouts are essentially, it's a fancy word for referrer, right? So I refer you, you refer someone else. Uh, I can go on to draftboard.com as a scout or anyone can, uh, and you can see what jobs are hiring and what the referral bonus is. So literally in seconds, you can go to draftboard.com right now. You can see a job for, I don't know, SeatGeek or Via or Formlabs. Click share, and within less than 10 seconds, you can share a link to that job with your friend. Your friend clicks on the link. He sees a job application page that's hosted on draftboard.com. We've ingested it from the company's ATS, and they decide whether to apply or not. Um, there's some magic that happens afterwards to make sure that we can maintain quality, which we'll maybe we'll get to in the, or hopefully we'll get to in the, in the Q&A, which I think is actually the most important part of Draftboard. But that's it. Um, the basic idea is that companies can get better distribution for their jobs by offering an incentive because incentives do drive behavior. Uh, and Scouts is this sort of new concept where we're now allowing anyone in the world to e- either make side hustle money because they love meeting people and introducing people, or they can build an entire business on Draftboard. Uh, there's a lot more to it. This idea was heavily inspired by my wife. She would kill me if I didn't mention that. Um, so I'll pause there. All right, Zach. Pretty tight, man. Pretty tight. I like it. Uh, let's talk about the name. The good news is I really like it. Uh, I mean, it has some connotations with military, <laughs> with uh, professional sports. Exactly. Um, I love that you have the .com. So my question is, like, what's the genesis of the name? Did you have to go drop some coin on the .com? Was, I, I can't imagine it was available. Tell us about the story of the name. Yeah, so I came up with the idea last June, so June 2022. And uh, I called this, a lot of people do, friends and said, what do you think of this? Because I did not want to be a founder. Like I, re- I came from the corporate world. I was a CEO of a large or mid-sized company, depending on how you count. I didn't want to be a founder. I acquired companies with founders and they had terrible lives. And so it really took a lot of people convincing me to do it. So once I decided I was going to do it, and I sketched out what the product would look like. Then I was like, okay, well, in order to raise money, you need to actually have a name for it. And so I sat down and was like, what are the best names I can come up with? And this idea of prof- professional sports where you draft your team, you know, the, literally the draft board in football on, in the rookie oh, draft, right? You literally have a whiteboard, yeah, right? And then yeah. you cross out names. And I thought I thought about that a lot as when you're building a team for, for your company, you're drafting mm-hmm. your team, right? You're choosing who you want. And so I liked that concept. It really, it really meshed well. The, actually, the military angle... I didn't even realize until I was talking to my wife's grandfather and he heard the name and his face, his eyes went wide in like fear. And he's like, you know, the word draft board is like a very negative word for me because like those are the people yeah. that can call you to go, go to, to World War II. And I was like, yeah. yeah, so that, that's where it came from. <laughs> and the dot com, did you have to buy it? or? It oh, that was a story. I'll keep it simple. I got the draft code that was available. The dot com mm-hmm. was actually owned by a fantasy sports company, maybe unsurprisingly, that had failed. Mm-hmm. I found the people, I figured out a way to get in contact with them and said, hey, I'd love to buy this off of you. And they just said no. Um, and so I tried three or four times. And then finally, once I raised money, I was like, Hey, I've got some investors. I think I might be able to do a little bit more. And so we get on a price that for me was, was, was a steal, but it was, it was real money. Um, yeah. but he was finally like, yeah, it's a matter of, like, if you pay me what I bought it for, I'll sell it to you. And it, it worked. Oh, well, that's nice. nice. That's nice. Now you've had executive positions. I would say you've, you've had some finance, some wall streety, uh, positions in the past, but no, no sort of recruiting, no HR. Um, now, obviously, you've ran companies, so you've, you've nibbled on that. But with no experience, why was this idea that appealing that you would sort of dive into it? You have some experience at IAC, which is a big internet company, so you have some competency there. But you were, yeah. you're not from recruiting. This this idea was just that good, I guess. Yeah. So I think there's there's two things I'll answer to that. One is 
it touched on a lot of the pain points or some of the major pain points I had as a CEO. So my last company, you know, it was a 500 person company. We had offices around the world. One of the biggest challenges, and I, I'm really serious about one of the biggest challenges, friction between hiring managers and our talent team. Our talent team were busting their butts to find great candidates. And yet they would, the hiring managers always felt like they weren't getting the best or it wasn't coming fast enough. And it created this real issue because the hiring manager committed to, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, Z in this quarter and in the next quarter and by the end of the year. And they would come to me and say, the talent team isn't sending me the right candidates. Can I hire an agency? Because otherwise I can't deliver to you as the CEO what I promised. And so they're putting me in this position. And then the talent team would say, no, I'm sending them great candidates. They just keep saying no to everyone. And actually, they didn't do like an onboarding call with me to like talk about what they actually wanted for the role. And so now they keep mm -hmm. changing it. So it was this massive problem. Um, and so when I had the idea, I sort of thought about that. And I thought of like, you know, incentives aren't necessarily aligned between hiring managers, talent team. You know, talent team gets paid a salary. They're not incentivized to move as fast as an outside uh, recruiter. But at the same point, oh, it's boring. Okay. I'm sorry, Zach. Let's move on to uh, yeah. to money. Now, you mentioned investment. You are not on Crunchbase. So you have investors listed on the site. Talk about the money. I'm guessing this is either pre-seed or seed round. How much have you raised? Yeah. I, so I haven't I haven't disclosed that yet. We'll announce that pretty shortly. Um, but for raised from some great investors, uh, uh, you guys are smiling for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Raised for All some right. amazing, I can tell you the funds uh, we raised from uh, Founder Collective, uh, Animo Ventures, 12 Below, Ground Up Ventures, some some great early stage funds, mostly based out of New York. All right. You don't want to break any, any news on our show. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Okay, Zach. So let me get this straight. Anyone can refer a candidate. So why would I want an anonymous person that's out there? I don't even know referring people to my jobs. I mean, is there any QAQC that's involved to ensure that these people that are being referred actually meet the requirements to my job? Because I already have enough shit coming into my jobs in the first place. I don't need more. I just need quality. How do you ensure that I get only quality? I couldn't agree with you more. I've literally sat on calls, people screen shared their screens in Lever and Greenhouse with 4,000 applications, 1,600, 843, that number sticks in my head. The job boards yeah. do a disservice to their users, both the companies and the candidates, because they allow one-click applications. Mm -hmm. There's no friction in the process. We introduce friction. And so if you apply for a job on LinkedIn, your application goes directly to the company's lever or greenhouse. And the company now has to deal with sorting through all that crap. There's a 3% accept rate, right? One out of every 30 resumes, the company says, you're good enough for me to have a call with, with someone on my talent team. With DraftBoard, when a candidate submits an application, the scout who referred them, the person who sent them the link, first is the line of defense. So the application gets sent to the scout first, and the scout has to either approve or reject it. Now, why would they reject that application? Because anyone they approve, we track the status of that application. Because we're in, in, integrated with a company's greenhouse or lever or whatever ETS. And so when a scout approves an application, we send it to the lever or greenhouse system. And we can track the status of the application it moves through, as it moves through the recruiting funnel. So we know when it's in screened by HR or even before that resume received, first interview, second interview, third interview, all the way down through the funnel. And we can assign a score or scouts earn a score, what we call a reputation score. And so if that score, let's say you're a really good scout and, you know, 80% of the candidates you send are getting through the first stage of, you know, resume review, you're going to have a 4.7 out of five-star rating. Think of it like an Uber score or an Airbnb rating, right? How are you, how are you tracking down that far in the funnel? Because we have we have permissions from the company. The company gives permissions to track the candidates. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because Clever and Greenhouse break shit all the time. So if you put a pixel in there, they're going to break your pixel. It's going to be a pain in the ass. So how do you specifically? Do you use a pixel? Do you use a sort? What do you do to actually ensure that you're... We're, we have permissions within Lever and Greenhouse. We're official partners with them. We, we, we literally have permissions to track the candidates. There's no pixel. There's no there's okay. no funny business. There's no data issues. Like we literally, there are permissions you can select within the ATS to say, yes, give this person permission to know what stage 
um, the, the candidate is at. Okay. So now once I see that, do I see the referrer's uh, review score at that point? You do, but even before that, you as a company set a minimum. You say, I won't accept referrals from scouts with a score lower than 4.0 or 4.1 or 3.9. You can choose that. And what that does, it creates a world where the scout is really careful about who they refer. Because if they refer crappy people and their metrics drop, they're not going to be allowed to refer to companies anymore. And so it creates this nice sort of reinforcing cycle where I'm careful about who I refer. Then the companies get the best resumes and candidates and they have higher accept rates. You know, instead of one out of 30, it's about one out of six on draft board now. Right, right, right. So from a go-to-market standpoint, it sounds like you're very closely integrated in with Lever and Greenhouse. Are you just focusing on those two ecosystems to be able to sell and penetrate into? Or, or, or how are you doing that from a go-to-market standpoint? Yeah, so we're official partners with Lever, Greenhouse, Comeet, Ashby, and Workable. Um, those are the five we decided to start with because we're focused uh, in the beginning building out a, mar- a jobs marketplace or a talent marketplace. You need to focus on a particular category. So we chose tech. Uh, and those are sort of the five biggest ones in tech. I'm sure you, there, there's there's other ones that, that of course arise here and, there, here and there, um, but those are the ones that sort of it opens up a whole wide swath of companies to us. Okay, so this you you mentioned it earlier. This feels like a side hustle platform. So are you mainly seeing recruiters engaging in this, and then uh, obviously it's kind of like a little little side hustle for them. Interestingly. Um, it's not recruiters we're mostly seeing doing the side hustle. So um, mostly we're seeing people who are super connectors and people who run uh, professional communities on WhatsApp or Slack or wherever they run their communities on Meetup, wherever it is. And so those people, for the super connectors, I'm sure you know people like this. Whenever they meet someone, they're like, you should meet these three other people. And they love making introductions. And when I said that the idea was inspired by my wife, she's introduced 30 people to jobs they actually got, let alone hundreds of jobs they didn't get. The most she ever got as a thank you was a bottle of wine. In most cases, the companies don't even send her a thank you note. Yeah. Uh, and so part of this was driven by like me productizing my wife, being like, hold on, if she can make two grand, which is what the company is paying their own employees, she'd be rich, right? And so we're seeing a lot of people who make introduction anyway, saying, hey, the candidate's not going to be mad at me for making an introduction because they want the job, right? They'll be thrilled to right. get the job. The company's happy because and because they want to hire people faster. And they're more than willing to pay the two grand or three grand because they've already decided they'll do that for their own employees. So it's a win-win-win. What's up, guys? I got a question for you. What happens when you bring the power of AI to programmatic advertising? Well, game-changing efficiency, of course. What does that mean to you? Improved conversion rates, reduced cost per application, and ultimately the one metric that we all know truly matters, reduced cost per hire. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, great news. This technology already exists. Introducing HireMaster.ai. HireMaster.ai is a data-driven model that analyzes a wide range of data sources. It considers factors such as candidate demographics, job type, industry, and historical performance data. It continuously monitors and optimizes your job advertising campaigns to adapt to changing market conditions and maximum results. HireMaster AI empowers recruiting teams to work more efficiently and effectively by automating certain tasks and providing valuable data-driven insights. Why not give it a shot today? Learn more and start your trial by visiting HireMaster.ai now. That's H-I-R-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot A-I. What uh, is the time period by which I refer someone and I actually get a check in my account or payment in my account? So it's it's one of our challenges, right, is the, the timing issue. So I refer you, Joel, let's say, let's say for a job. You look at the job, you apply. It takes you a week 
you're not going to apply. <laughs> it takes you a week to get the interview scheduled, right? Then it's four weeks of the interview process. Then you get an offer. You start two weeks later. And then we give companies the option to set a probation period. How long does the new employee have to work for you before the scout is paid? And anywhere we set it from anywhere from zero to 90 days. So if a company chooses 90 days, you're talking about four and a half to five and a half months lag between a candidate first starting with you and us paying them. And so part of our challenge is to convince new scouts that we're good for the money, right? Like, and so we've experimented with a bunch of different ideas. Do we give a little bit up front to make them like, hey, you're actually going to get this on the back end. Um, we have testimonials from scouts that have actually received money already. We've had a, a few a few placements. And so, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, but they're, well, we'll see, I guess. That's the answer. Knowing that, what's the, and you're young, but what, what would you say is the attrition rate of scouts? Are there committed scouts that are doing it on an ongoing basis or is like, oh, I know one person and I mean, we're in a get it now world where I order something online, I get it, you know, in 24 hours. And now with yeah. your stuff, I got to wait months before I get my gratitude. Are there ways that you give badges or like exactly. show them tracking in their account or like emails, like we're almost there. I mean, how do you, how do you slow down the attrition rate? Which I guess that would, uh, that would compound. You're, you're right about what you're, what, what you're suggesting. So we have, since we, we, since we see the stat, the candidate status, anytime there's a change in status, we message the scout and say, Hey, this person moved from stage one to stage two or stage two to stage three. And that gives you that little endorphin push, right? Like of uh, a rush. Uh, so you're like, Oh, that's actually moving forward. Um, beyond that, we haven't done it yet, but we're going to be building a leaderboard for scouts to sort of compete with each other, right? And see who's doing the most referrals, the most quality referrals, getting the most applications. In our case, one thing I really care about is reject rate. I actually want the scouts to reject as high a percentage of candidates as possible, because that means we're sending the highest quality to the companies. And then, sorry, there was another part of your question that I'm blanking on right now. Well, it sounds like uh, there's some competitiveness, but are like tracking of like every so often, hey, we're almost there. Like we got this point in the process, the, the payment's coming. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll be, you have a dashboard where you can see, okay, this is what you have in flight, right? You have three people in interviews, you have 10 applications you need to review, and you have 15 recent activity things, meaning something has changed in the activity recently. Okay. Now on your site, you have, uh, you have some promotional language and I'm going to quote your website here. Okay. Uh, earn <laughs> up to $276,500 in Woo! referral bonuses by sharing jobs. Wow. Come on, man. Two hundred seven. Is that a real, is that real? Or did you like just pull $276,000 out And who, who who did you write a check for that much? I don't know what right. site you're on. <laughs> our site says 197,200. <laughs> and yes, that, if you, we actually have 86 jobs on the, on the site right now. We've had over 200 listed since we launched a few months ago. Um, we've had almost 500,000 of real jobs posted. These, these are all companies I've physically talked to um, uh -huh. and led them through the, app, the, the integration process and actually gotten their jobs on. Do you know how much the the leading uh, scout has has earned on your site? Yeah, so we we're super early. So we've had we've had six placements, and each one is from a different scout. So the most was five thousand dollars. We have a couple people who earned five thousand dollars each. Okay, it is early. I'll give that. Talk about the external referrals. Most of our jobs are U.S. Actually, eighty percent of them are, are U.S. Well, America is number one, so obviously yeah, that should course. be the case. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm so still an American external, citizen. <laughs> we have external referrals and internal, right? It's yeah. is what's the percentage breakdown? It sounds like you're really focused on the external people from outside referring inside, um, but there's yeah. a piece of your business that's internal. Talk about the division, the focus, the breakdown. Yeah, so right now we're actually purely external. We have it on the product roadmap okay. to build a feature for companies to manage their internal referral process, which would be essentially just a private label version of what we've already built. And we will build that at some point. Um, but right now we're focused on the external. And I think, Chad, you asked a few minutes ago, like, 
why should I trust an external person? Well, one is because of a rep- reputation score, um, that it's a data-driven uh, point that can tell you whether the person is a good or a bad scout. But two is because these people have an incentive to make sure they're sending you candidates that you're going to accept, right? It's a monetary incentive. And so it's like, again, incentives drive behavior. And I think that's sort of the beauty of this model, if, if I may say so. <laughs> well, I guess you can. You're the CEO. Uh, so is, is Draftboard more than just referrals? I guess the short answer is no. Or is there a particular place you're going with that? Meaning... Yeah, do you do more than just referrals? That's the question. <laughs> no, I mean we're we're a source okay. we're a source of talent. Like that that's okay. the basic idea. We use referrals as the mechanism, um, but we yes. look at the world as like saying like, okay, employee referrals tend to have super high accept rates, anywhere from thirty to eighty percent. Right, what percentage of them of the candidates you get referred as a company that you actually talk to? But your entire business model is is predicated on referrals. Okay, okay, good. So how do I share referrals? I, I get a, a XML feed from the applicant tracking system or you guys scrape the, the board or, or what have you. How does that actually work? Just walk me through. You said it takes three clicks, but after those three clicks, if I import you know, 2,000 jobs, well, let's say 500 jobs, then I've got some management to do. So, so talk me through that. You're talking from the company's perspective? Yes. The people who are actually spending money with you, yes. Right. So from the company's perspective, you... You go through our onboarding, I sit with you in the onboarding process, like say, authorize a greenhouse, you know, there's an OAuth and then an API token with some of the other ones, it's just an OAuth click, it's literally three clicks. You sure. see on our dashboard, you, you see all the, all your jobs show up with all of the irrelevant data, the, the location and the job spec and everything else that's loaded in greenhouse that we take that. And then all you do is a screen that shows you, it says, okay, what bonus do you want to set for this job? And there's a button that says list this role. And you can choose to list all your roles. There's a bulk list button, or you can choose select roles to list. You can have different bonuses for each job. And then the next part of the process is now they're listed and any scout can refer you a candidate. But for you as the company, it's the same experience as getting an application from any other source into your ATS, right? Whether it's LinkedIn or Mm -hmm. your website or Indeed, meaning it comes into Greenhouse for that particular job. The only difference is this is the source is tagged as draft board instead of LinkedIn or website or or whatever other source. Uh, And we also give you some information about the scout who referred it, right? The first name, um, the last initial, we're probably going to just give the full name. I don't really care about doing the full name if you want it. And their scout's reputation score. Um, And so you get that additional data. But from your perspective, you're going through, you don't have to change anything about your workflow. Your workflow stays exactly the same. So it's really a, a set it and forget it solution. We also have the ability for companies to do something we call a job sync, where anytime they add a job to Greenhouse, it automatically gets listed on DraftBoard at a certain default bonus setting. And so they can choose that bonus setting. So that way, instead of them having to manually go and update DraftBoard every time they add a job, it happens automatically. Okay. But from the standpoint of being able to go in there, I can have like, let's say, for instance, all my tech jobs default to $5,000, all my sales jobs to $2,000, so on and so forth, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay, okay. So have you ever heard of H3 or Jobster? Jobster, I, heard, I have. H3, I haven't. Okay. Uh, how, how do I get my LinkedIn network involved? How can I get them integrated into this whole process? Yeah. So, so sneak peek of a feature we're going to be launching called Matchmaker. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to be able to download your LinkedIn connections, upload them to DraftBoard, and then we're going to do matching uh, of your LinkedIn connections with the jobs on DraftBoard and start to suggest matches for you. And that's a really critical feature because a lot of people will come to DraftBoard. I think, Joel, you said this earlier, you know, do you have people doing one referral or do you have people doing 10 or more referrals, right? And so a lot of people say, okay, there's someone I have in mind. I want to refer them to a job. And they just do that one referral. And then it's just like, I don't know who else. I can't remember who else is looking for a job for that particular software engineer job. Mm -hmm. With this, 
we're going to be able to say to you, hey, these 10 people in your network are fit for this job. You know, do you want to share it with them or not? And so it turns draft board uh, from a sort of pulling information out of your brain to, hey, hey, pushing information that exists somewhere else to you and sort of packaging it up and ready for you to, to, to choose an action, which is sharing it with them. Okay. And is that an ongoing, I guess, query that you're going to do with my network in LinkedIn? In other words, new jobs are posted all the time. Yes. Most of my connections may be in a certain location or maybe a certain uh, profession, but as new jobs and my my network grows, will I get an email like every week like, hey, we scoured your LinkedIn folks and the jobs we have, and here are some matches, and do you want to share those with your matches? Exactly. You're, sh- so we'll you're have shaking a few your different- head, that, and that's the idea. Yeah, 100%. And so there's different ways you can do it. You can either do it based on the jobs. Like, you know, you can say, I'm interested in these types of jobs. And then we could say, hey, these types of jobs just came up. You know, you have 10 people each. Or you can say, I want to find Joe Schmo a job. Show me show me jobs for Joe Schmo. So we'll have like a way for you to set here are the 20 people I care about finding jobs. And then we'll only send you candidates for those 20. Got it. So Chad took a step or two down memory lane. I'll go a little, a few steps further. So H3, which you mentioned, was basically a company that does what you do about 18 years ago. There, there was Jobs was another one, Zoopka, Yours, Refer.com, Karma One, uh, probably none you've ever heard of, but you probably have heard of one called Indeed. So a company called Indeed, a little job site, uh, global, global footprint, launched Indeed Crowd in 2016, <laughs> which was basically this idea. Companies would put a dollar amount, a bounty, if you will people who could share jobs, et cetera. Two years yeah. later, they shut it down for whatever reason. Obviously, it didn't pan out the way that they thought it would. So I guess my question is, how is this time different? How is your company different than all the companies I just named? Yeah. So the biggest change is that even five years ago, none of the big ATS, or I won't say none, but they had either had or it was much cruder. They didn't have or it was much cruder. The API integrations took into them were much cruder or didn't exist at all. So, you know, I was talking to the, the team at Greenhouse and like this didn't, the ability to do what we do today and read the, the stages from them didn't exist five years ago, let alone 10 years ago or 18 years ago. So that's a huge change in the infrastructure of, of the HR tech space is that you know this better than me. Every company now wants to integrate with everyone else because if you don't integrate, you're losing customers. Uh, and so now everyone has open APIs, they do, and they move from APIs to OAuth and to, in order to make it easier. But this couldn't have happened. The other thing that exists today that I'm sure Indeed could have built and maybe they did, but that there's amazing payment providers like we use Stripe that have literal marketplace products. So we actually don't have to build any of the payment infrastructure. Stripe handles that, right? And so when we go to a company, um, we say to them, hey, you don't have to worry about issuing, a, collecting a W-9 or issuing a, K, a 1099 because these are scouts. You're paying the people like independent contractors. So we, we take care of all that. And for us, we actually don't have to take care of all that. Like Stripe takes care of all that. So it's sort of this one solution. And then the other thing is, look, Indeed is Indeed. Indeed has a lot of products. Some of them are competitive with other ATSs. And so it's it's harder. It's hard to go out and say, hey, you like Greenhouse, play nice with me on this one product I have. I, I was talking to the founder. I won't name the company. of an old, much a very large old school ATS. And he was saying LinkedIn tried to launch an ATS however many years ago. And they just were like sort of a bull in a China shop and like no one wanted to work with them. And so I think you have to be really careful who your partners are and it helps that we're independent. So I, I used to write on this this topic and uh, Hans Giskus, friend of both of Chad and I, uh, an Ohio State fan, that's just a side note. Uh, anyway, so when he launched this, there was no social media. And there was a thought that, well, now that people have these big networks, that that will be the thing that makes this thing work. Um, yep. That didn't pan out. And then I, I asked him when Indeed 
dropped its thing, what he thought the reason was. So his comment, this is, this is quote, uh, and this is the founder of H3, quote, you can take a horse to water, but you cannot make him or her drink. Only 4% of people are actual connectors, perhaps proven by the fact that fewer than 4% of LinkedIn's members are in the 500 or plus connection you know, category. So I'm hearing from you a lot of technical things, but how much is human nature part of this? Like being in the job sharing, I'm going to blast this out to people, or I'm going to like actually put in the thought work about who would be a good, and how many are we really connected to on LinkedIn that are just sort of passive connections? So what's your opinion on human nature? I mean, I'm an yeah. old white guy, so I'm open to the, I'm open to the fact that younger people might be more open to this. Talk yeah. about the human nature part of this business. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't envision this being, you know, there are 330 million Americans. There's no way that all, th- all 330 million are going to be scouts. What we need to do, and I think about the, the, when I started fundraising, I was very clear with investors. First of all, this is like a zero or a hundred. There's no middle ground here. We're a marketplace where they're going to uh, succeed amazingly or die. And then the second thing is we're not, the, the easy side of the marketplace, quote unquote, is the companies, right? There's I, I hear, I've heard this literally dozens of times. Why wouldn't I do this? There's no risk. There's no cost. Like there, there's no, there's no reason for me not to do this. The hard side is the scouts, as you point out, right? Like who are the scouts? What's going to motivate them? Is it just money? Is it esteem? Is it being known as the person in your network who we, we don't know that yet, right? But the whole, the whole, the whole vision of DraftWord is built around building a cohort of super scouts in the same way that you think about like eBay power sellers or Airbnb power or super hosts, um, or even on Uber, right? Like they want their drivers to drive 40 to 50 hours a week. They're not going to turn down the person who drives five hours a week, but it's not what their whole core business is built around. And so for us, the human, for me, the human nature part is who are the people that have either built a skill set in sourcing talent? So AKA recruiters or former recruiters or laid off recruiters or people who don't have enough business right now. And they're like, they have a ton of silver medalists. And I say, Hey, come on to draft board and you can place them. Um, it's people who run communities and want to, who want to give people in their community um, uh, a benefit, right? I have a proprietary source of jobs you can't find anywhere else. And by the way, because I have a 4.7 score, my jobs are going to be, t- my referrals are going to be taken more seriously than if you apply on the company website, which is absolutely happening. Companies now look at draft board referrals first because they tend to be higher quality. Um, and then the other thing is super connectors who are already doing this. And so I think the human nature side is both finding the people who are already doing this and are more likely to, but also the companies, they're already offering employee referral bonuses. And so it's a very, it's sort of like, we're not creating anything new under the sun. We're taking existing things and just making it a super simple, easy experience. And yeah. Okay. So let's go back to go to market. Who are you focused on? Are you going direct to, uh, to, to brand on this? Are you going to recruitment ad agencies? I mean, how are you actually getting a portfolio or brand pe- uh, penetration? Amongst, amongst the companies, you know, the companies listing jobs you're saying? How are you actually getting oh. sales? Who are you going to? Are you going directly to the brands? Or are you going through agencies? How, how, what's your focus? How are you doing it? Yeah. So in the beginning it was, it was uh, mobilizing my networks, you know? So I spent 10 years, you know, in corporate America and built a lot of relationships. And then I had my investors and angels and whatever, and going through all of their networks being like, here are our target companies. Here are the ones that, you know, do you, can you make an intro to this person? Um, and now we're hiring our first BDR who's going to do more of like, uh, you know, you know, blocking and tackling, like just getting, setting up meetings. Um, but we are, we're staying focused on um, startup startups. So really, our sweet spot is thirty to five hundred employees. Um, we have a few companies that are a thousand, you know, plus, you know, like uh, Via and Formlabs and SeatGeek, and then a bunch that are smaller at ten employees that are just looking to hire their first one. So mainly SMB. You're talking about small to medium sized businesses. 
Yeah, I would say like if you're if you're a company over two thousand employees, we're probably not the right fit for you right now, right? Because um, we okay. if you put a hundred jobs on Draftboard, it's it's too much for us. So give me yeah, give me uh, give me some pricing around the because this is sounds an SMB expensive. model. So, yeah, it sounds expensive. <laughs> it yeah. Sounds expensive for Joe's Joe's Plumbing around the corner. Uh, how much is it? No, we're not doing SMBs like Joe's Plumbing. We're doing like start startups. I mean startups uh, like plus okay. I mean, whether they're Seed stage to series C stage, series D stage. Okay. Still, what's the pricing? It's zero. It's free. It's free. And the only thing that you pay <laughs> is you guys take you take a commission. Well, companies are paying you. No, no, companies aren't paying us. So you get you take you take a chunk out of the actual commission or exactly. like a commission out of the uh, the dollars that are paid. Yeah, exactly. So the companies don't ever pay us any fees. Um, they list the jobs, it's free. If they hire a candidate, then they pay Three thousand dollars. Let's say that's the, the they decide on what the bonus is. Let's say they put a three grand bonus. Mm-hmm. We take twenty percent of that from the scouts cut, not from the company. And so the company is never paying us a fee. And yeah, that's that, that aligns us with the company. It means that like we don't we're not trying to get anything more out of them. We're not trying to get them to stay longer. All right, cheeseman. All right, Zach. By the way, plumbers are people too. Zach, <laughs> plumbers are people too. Um, all right. Before I started this company, I was looking at starting a plumbing company. So uh, have no fear. I agree. <laughs> I refuse to show you my plumber's crack uh, for the podcast, by the way. Uh, so, so let's go back early days of the internet. Uh, Amazon launches affiliate programs. Uh, affiliate programs are huge. They make a ton of sense, right? You don't have to spend the advertising. P- let people advertise for you. Let them email, put banner links on stuff. Made perfect sense. And when it came into the employment sector with H3 is the first one I remember, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. Why spend all this money on recruiters? Why spend money on job postings? Like, just empower people to share links to people and track the process. And if they make a hire, then get a check. And I literally did get a check back in 2006 from H3 for a recruiter uh, that I, I referred to a job. So that was pretty exciting. And I was a little bit shocked when the company didn't pan out. Uh, and then I and then I watched all the other sites that I mentioned come and go. When Indeed did it, I thought, man, if if they can't do it, no one can do it. The the problem is, I still think it's a great fucking idea. Like to to empower people to promote your stuff. You have social media. You have people connected more than ever. But for whatever reason, uh, Facebook didn't change. It didn't turn around. The growth of LinkedIn hasn't turned around. Now maybe your solution of integrating with LinkedIn and that's going to be the secret sauce. Historically, LinkedIn doesn't love it when you create shit like that and and. API like it's just rarely ends great. I like it. I like it as an internal thing better than I do an external thing. Um, although external thing sounds better, but I just as much as I love the idea, I can't. I can't deny history. Twenty years of history says this idea does not work. If you're the first one to stick it up, you know, stick it up the ass of of history, then good on you. But for me, like I can't in good conscience. 20 years of history says this idea is not going to work. So for me, Zach, again, this is not personal, man. It's a great idea. The world just isn't ready for it. So I hear you, man. I hope you're the first, Zach. I hope you're the first. Chad. I'm going to take a little bit different angle on this, Zach. Um, first and foremost, I love that you're focusing on integ- integrations down funnel, lever, greenhouse, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I can tell you. You've never been in HR because uh, HR doesn't trust anyone, let alone referrals, right? I mean, it, they, they don't even trust internal, right? So, oh, I've, you know, I've heard. <laughs> not, not a big trusting group. 
Uh, but so again, I'm a big believer in referrals. I believe referrals can be executed much better and more efficiently, but most companies stumble over all of the referrals that they're getting that are coming in. And they're either number one or number two source of hire. So could the process be better? Yeah. Could we even do more referrals? Well, fuck yeah. But employee referrals aren't a perceived problem, which is why they are never a top three priority and they don't get substantial budget. Well, hopefully you've, you've got a, you've got an answer to that by the free, the free aspect. Joel talked about human nature. Well, this is HR nature, which is something that you really need to get your head around, especially when it comes to adoption and, and history. It's a solution to a problem that the industry doesn't believe really even exists. So as we talked about before, we've seen historically companies like Jobster, who I believe first uh, their first iteration in 2004 was a referral platform. H3, 2007, the list goes on and on and on. H3 never evolved past past just being a referral platform and they died. Jobster had an identity crisis and they died. Uh, I believe the answer is somewhere in the middle and coupling you know, the, the priority pain points with referrals and then looking at different aspects of things that will actually go get you budget. Because last but not least, my friend, the straw that broke the camel's back for me is that you need to charge the damn company. They're the ones with the money. Don't charge the little guy. Don't charge the little guy. So again, from a historical standpoint, from a product and a focus standpoint, you're going to have to slowly edge open that product, Tam. Uh, but until then, it's the firing spot. God damn it, Zach. Love the I feedback. the first no, one. Great. Oh. I hope you're the first one. Oh, want to want to see referrals work so badly, so badly. It's such Zach, a good so. idea. There's just human nature. Biz, uh, something I could address it, but I, it's not. Look, the, the, to to your point, Chad, it's not a question. Com companies. I close one third of companies I talk to. I've talked to 150 heads of talent. It, it's it's the highest close rate my investors have ever seen. Literally, tell me now. Part of that is because it's free. Obviously, the companies are going to close. It's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like Indeed closing, getting jobs on their site the first time they came on free. Right. That's not a close rate. Right. No, but the reason I mention it is that all the companies that you that, that when you when you talk about it, those companies, the biggest problem they have is what we talked about in the beginning. They get four thousand applications, crappy that they have to go through from their team. And as you said, no one's giving them a budget to spend a hundred grand on some fancy AI tool that's going to spot the best candidates that are not. Like those tools exist, but unless you're a big corporate like IAC, you're not doing that. And so, you have to have a way to filter out the crap from the diamonds. And I think that the referrals for me again, it's a mechanism to do that. It's not the uh, I don't claim to have reinvented the wheel here, but yeah, I, look, I hear your feedback. <laughs> Zach, the firing squad is over. It's over when when you when you knock it out of the park. You can come back on and tell Please. us how wrong Please. we were. But until then, my friend, uh, I hope you're the first that proves us wrong. Make this <laughs> referral thing work. Until then, let our listeners know where they can find out more. Joel, I'm going to make it work for you specifically so you can finally regain faith in humanity. Uh, you can find us at www.draftboard.com. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Uh, in the can, Chad, another one bites the dust. We out. We out. This has been The Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face The Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com.
how much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.